0: Good morning. Thank you for that, uh, that, that question of do we want the, the riches of this world or do we want the peace and love that God offers? That's actually what we're talking about today and what, what Paul is arguing for, uh, here in 1 Corinthians. Let me review a little bit. The Corinthians are are very arrogant, they're puffed up. We've been covering this for a while now and they are they're they're judging based on how how good things are for them, how how blessed they are. They're looking at the the show, the performance that that people are are giving and they're saying, "Hey, this looks good. I like how it sounds. These people are impressive." And that's just a, a you know, that's that must be the blessing of God. That must be how it's supposed to be. And Paul's saying, No. You're thinking like the world thinks. You're your thinking is off. You're you're judging the way the world judges. And now you're judging they're judging Paul and they're saying, Okay, you weren't so great after all, Paul. We thought you were pretty cool, but now we've got we've we've gotten way past that, Paul. And Paul's saying you're, you're using the world's judgment to evaluate how, how, how good you are before God. That's not how it works. So last week, uh, Jamie was, was talking about how Paul is describing to them a very different way than how they are thinking and how they are living. And he's saying, no, this is a this is a way of sacrifice that he's he's preaching Christ crucified, but he's not just preaching it. Paul is living it out. Paul is beaten, but he's returning grace. He's stripped naked. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He's homeless. But he's giving back love. That's, that's this, this living out the preaching of Christ crucified because he's, he's showing the world that I'm loving you by my suffering, by my sacrifice. Now in this passage, Paul, Paul goes a little further and he, he's, he's been talking to them like little children all along, but now he's explicitly saying, I'm your father. I fathered you in Christ, in the gospel. A father admonishing his children. One that that is going to them and, and just begging them, stop this. Uh, as a father, I take the boys out uh, every few weeks and we go out separately and we talk about how their lives are going, how things are going in there, and, uh, with them. One of the things that we're doing is we're memorizing themes of each book of the Bible. And the theme in this list of of themes that we have, the theme for 1 Corinthians is spanking the saints. And this passage that we're in in chapter 4 is the very passage where they got that theme from. Because in verse 21 we see, what will ye Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of meekness? Which one do you want, son? And so how do, how do we get here? How do we get to verse 21 where Paul's offering him? You want a rod or do you want tenderness? How's it going to go? We got here because Paul's giving them kind of a dad lecture. Uh, the teens in the room know what a dad lecture is. That dad starts up and, okay, here we go. Dad's gonna give us a piece of his mind. And that term, a piece of his mind, that, that he's giving you his wisdom. He's giving you his experience. He's, he's doing it not, not for his own sake, but for, out of love for you. He's trying to say, hey, son, smarten up. Wake up. Let's go through this passage, follow along in your Bibles as I, I just want to summarize what Paul's saying here. He starts out, I'm not writing these things to you because I, I want to shame you, but I'm, I'm admonishing you, I'm warning you, I'm correcting you as a child, as a, as a loved child. And then verse 15, he says, you've got 10,000 instructors. What that means is you've got, you've got too many voices telling you about Christ. It's, it's a, it's, it's over much. It's, it's too much. And think of all the voices that are crying out at us of how to live our lives. That's what he's talking about there. Yeah, you have a lot of voices telling you what to do, but I'm your father. I fathered you in Christ. So I'm asking you, verse 16, I'm asking you to to follow me. Follow my example. Then 17, This is why I sent Timothy to you. Because he's been following me. He's been following Christ. And I sent him to you to teach the things that I'm doing. So that you can live like I'm living. And then verse 18, but some of you are are still proud. Some of you are proud of, and so proud that you, you're rejecting Timothy and you're acting as if I'm not coming. You're acting like, oh, you sent Timothy, but Paul's not here. Where's Paul? He can't defend himself? Verse 19, But I'm going to come to you shortly if the Lord allows me. And I'm not going to look at speech I'm not going to look at talk. We're going to look at power. We're going to look at action. We're going to look at change and transformation. Because the kingdom of God isn't of talk. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of power. And then verse 21, we get to this verse. Which one do you want, son? When I come, when I come to you, You want the rod, or do you want tenderness? Let's open with prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it admonishes us, that it corrects us, that it can even discipline us. I pray that we would live lives as those who are transformed, that we would want to live a life of change and of power and not just of talk. Lord, I, I pray that you would be with my speech this morning, that you would speak through me, that you would use this time in my heart and in the hearts of this body, that this family would desire to obey you And come into your love and your gentleness. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Three things I want to look at as we, as we go through this passage. We're looking at the fact that the gospel calls us to right behavior. There's, there's, it's not just right thinking, but it's also right behavior. Secondly, those who are mature in Christ are to set the right example. They are to to have a, a life that shows the right example. And third, we are all expected to have the right response to truth. So we have right behavior, the right example, and the right response. The gospel calls us to right behavior. The mature in Christ are to set a right example. And then finally, that we all are, have a, there's an expectation of God that we will have a right response when we are confronted with truth. Let's look at this, this right behavior. Paul's been talking about their thinking, their, how they're evaluating things, how they're, uh, how they judge. Life, how they, uh, uh, prioritize what is, what is valuable, what is, what is worthless. But Paul is saying it goes beyond right thinking. It has to be right behavior. It has to be a life lived out. And I, he's not seeing that in the Corinthians. Even in their, even in their, uh, their response to Timothy, Paul has sent this this, this beloved son in Christ to, to the Corinthians. And their response is, is just, you sent Timothy? They were puffed up in pride. And he, he knows that just based on how they responded to this, this teacher, this disciple that he sent. He can see their thinking based on this is how you're behaving. See the, we, we tend to talk a lot about doctrine, about truth, about, uh, Christian life, but many times it doesn't change our behavior. It's just that. It's, it's only talk. It's not walking the way that we are to walk. One pastor uses this example. He says that we the game Simon says. We all know how the game goes. Simon says pat your head and you pat your head. And Simon says hop on one foot and you hop on one foot. That's how the game goes. If Simon says it, you do it. But the the game Jesus says? How does that work? Oh, I'm I'm patting my head. You're sitting on the couch. I'm doing it in my heart. I'm doing it in Jesus. Because it doesn't actually have to be lived out. We just we just have to talk about it. He goes on further to use the example of if I tell my daughter to clean her room and she goes up to her room and then comes back an hour later and says, Dad, I memorized what you said about cleaning my room. A little later, I'm going to have some friends over. We're going to talk about what it would look like to clean my room. He's like, no, that's not what I'm looking for. I want a change in your behavior. It's, it's not just information, it's transformation. There's a, there's a reason why we're gathering here together, why we're coming around His Word, why we study what we study. Because we expect change. We expect lives to be different. And that's, that's what Paul is telling the, the believers at, at Corinth, this congregation, he's saying, come on, people, you, you, you need to change your thinking and you need to change how you're living, how you're living it out. Recently, Jamie has been hitting on hospitality. Uh, Josh touched on it in his Sunday school class. I know that Dennis, I'm sure, in his class on community, that that was a big part of it. Inviting people over, having a meal, sharing with them, speaking of Christ to them, showing love to them, being hospitable. The first, one of the first messages I preached here, Acts 2.42, the new infant church at Pentecost, devoted themselves to doctrine, to fellowship, to breaking of bread into prayer, and then further on in the passage, it, it describes what's this? What's this fellowship? What's this breaking of bread? They're going from house to house and sharing what they have with one another. That's that's this hospitality that we're inviting people over, that we're we're having them for our meal. We're we're giving of what we have. There's there's action to that. But we aren't teaching this just for the fun of it, just so that, yep, good Christians know that we should be hospitable. That's not what it's about. It's not about talk. It's about action. It's about change. And this passage is saying that Paul has the authority in the the lives of the Corinthian church to tell them, not only can I just warn you about this, I can enforce this. Do I need to come in authority over you and tell you this behavior needs to change? A few years ago we were in a a small church plant. I was sharing this with the, at the men's retreat. And, uh, we had meals together all the time. We, once or twice a week we would, we would eat together as, as a church. And, in different people's homes and and the pastor was teaching on loving through listening. That many times Christ would ask questions and and demonstrate love through listening. But he had me to he had invited me to go to breakfast with him one time. We talked for a bit and he said, "Birch, you're a storyteller." And that's a gift. You you can you can talk, you can tell a story, and and people stop and people listen. But you're shutting down the conversation at our meals. Somebody has a phone call. Um, you're you're shutting down the conversation at these meals because you're monopolizing the conversation because you tell a story and everybody else has to stop talking. Oh, there's somebody's phone. Okay. Um, So, still not done. They really want to get a hold of you. (laughs) People are coming forward already in this message. That's amazing. If you'd all just bring your phones. Um, That, so he admonished me. And he really, he rebuked me. He's saying, I'm teaching on listening and I'm not seeing changes at our meals. You're not different. There's supposed to be a change in your behavior. It's not just about coming and listening to the teaching. It's more than words. It's actions. It's living it out. I was shocked. At first I was, I was arrogant about it. I mean, just in my heart, I, I I didn't say anything, but I'm thinking, like, I'm one of the oldest people in this church. This was just a bunch of millennials that just got together and uh, were planting a church. And I'm like, they're all kids. I've been a missionary for 15, 18 years. You know, they should listen to me. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Then my next response was one of judgment. I'm thinking, you know, I saw how you talked to your wife last week. Thankfully, I didn't say it. I'm riding home. Connie calls. Asked me how it went. And I said, you know, I just got rebuked. I said, I've never once been rebuked personally by a pastor in my entire life as a Christian because... No pastor knew me well enough. No pastor had seen me week in and week out and, and seen how I was living to be able to pull me aside and say, "Hey, this needs to change." You see we aren 't just saying this for the fun of it; we expect changes If we look and back in Luke chapter three, Luke chapter three, John the Baptist is speaking to To the Jews that are coming to him and, and wanting to repent. John chapter 3 verse 8. He says, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. And begin not to say, this is that talk again within yourselves. We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. You see, they're ready to talk about their their lineage, their heritage, their their value to God. And John's like, if God wants to, he'll he'll make these stones into the children of Abraham. That's just talk. We want fruits of repentance. Verse 9, And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? And he answered and said unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. There's that hospitality again. Then came also publicans to, to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? He said to them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. So stop taking what's not yours. And then verse 14, And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. What's he telling them? It's not talk. It's not about your, your lineage and your heritage or or how many times you, you've shown up to services or how much you know. It's about action. It's living it out. We are expected, we are the gospel demands a not just a change in, in mind, but also a change in behaviour. Moving on to this, this right example. Paul back in 1 Corinthians 4, he says something pretty, pretty amazing. He says to follow him. He says that I, I'm begging you, verse 16, I I'm, I'm beseech you be followers of me. Wow. How can he say that? In another passage, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. (coughs) Paul's not saying he's perfect. Paul is saying that he's living out this the fact that Christ was crucified. He's living that out day in, day out. He's doing this everywhere in every congregation that he's working in. He's living this out. He tells us in verse 17 that Everywhere he goes. And Timothy is a testimony to that. Timothy's discipleship in life is a testimony to Paul's example that he's been setting. Those who are mature in Christ, those who are have walked with God in the faith, are to be setting an example. But one of the problems is that for us, so so many of us, The, the, much of our faith, much of our living this out just happens here at these meetings in this building. And where we, we want this to be, to be a, a good and polished and, and, uh, winsome time. And we're looking at, at this, this platform and the, the, the performance that's put on and we're simply just spectators that we're showing up for meetings and we're saying, this is, this is our Christianity. And it's as if we're saying, well, how do you know I'm a Christian? Because I go to church every time the doors are open. That's how you know I'm a Christian. But what does Christ say? Christ says, how will men know that you are my disciples? By the love you have for one another. That's lived out in the world. That's the example that the young Christian, the young Timothy needs to see that it goes beyond these walls, that it goes beyond this meeting, that it's lived out 24-7, that it's lived out in our lives day to day, that we are sacrificially loving those who, who God brings to us. That we're speaking of Christ, even when it's not easy. That we're we're stepping into dark and broken situations, and we're bringing light and we're bringing love to that situation, to those circumstances. That we're living that out. You see, Paul, Paul's dealing with this problem of pride, this arrogance in the church of of, of Corinth. Among this congregation, what does he do? He doesn't just send them words. He sends them Timothy. He sends him this, this beloved disciple that he has. He sends a life to them, someone to live it out in front of them, an example of how Paul lives and of how Christ lived ultimately. That he's showing them, this is, this is the example. This is why I sent you Him. But do we have? Do we have disciples? Do we have Pauls? Do we have men and women? Mature fathers and mothers in the faith that can disciple a spiritual son, a spiritual daughter? That it's not just about this talk. It's not just about this sermon. But it's that, hey, come alongside me. Let me show you how I deal with conflict, with worry, with money, with lust, with, with difficulty, with illness, with, with uh, accusation. Come alongside me and let me show you how to be content with what you have. How to, how to live life of, of peace. Not striving for the next thing you can get. But to know that I'm at peace in God. And I have what I need. Because I have Christ. To live a life differently. And to be able to disciple someone in that. You see, this path that that the the church at Corinth, the congregation at Corinth is on. They are... They're they're wanting to move up in the world's system, in the world's economy. But the kingdom of God doesn't work that way. The way you move up is by going down, by humbling yourself. You want strength? Become weak. You want to be rich in Christ? Be poor in spirit. That's how... That's how this works. You want freedom. Become a slave. A slave to Christ. That's the, how the kingdom of God works. Christ set this example. Christ did this. Christ blazed this trail for us. And Paul is simply living that life out. He's simply walking ahead and saying, okay, I saw Christ do it. I know that this is how Christ lived a life of loving sacrifice for His people. And so Paul's going to do the same thing. Paul's going to live that out. And Paul is is being abased. He's being humiliated. He's being ashamed. And yet, he's showing love and peace and grace to those around him. So Paul is saying this that imitate me. Imitate me. And I, I look at that and I just think how how convicting that is. I can't to think of saying to my sons as a father, Yeah, son, do what I do. Imitate me. You know, there's a lot of things I don't want them to imitate. I'm not, in many ways, setting the example that I should be. Paul is confident in his walk with God. And he's saying, as I follow Christ, follow me. That this is what it looks like. And we need mature believers in the church who, who the, the, the younger generations can look up to and say, hey, I want to look like that. That guy has something that I don't have. He's, he's learned something that I don't know. He's, he's content in spite of the difficulties he's going through. He's, he's, he's fought that battle with lust. He's fought the battle with greed. He knows and has experience walking with Christ in a way that I haven't experienced. He knows how to pray. He knows how to read the Psalms and really take them in, drink them in. I want that. But that has to be set up as an example. And the only way to see that as an example is to, to live in community in a, in a way that shares my life with your life so that it's not just here sitting in a pew. They aren't going to see that. They need to see it in your home. They need to see it when you go and help somebody. That you bring them along and say, Hey, I'm going to go help my neighbor. I'm going to go help a widow. I'm going to go help the fatherless. Come along. Let me show you how to do this. Come with me. I'm setting the example here. This is something that Christ has has shown me and I'm going to do it and live it out. You see, there's power that Paul is expecting. It's not just talk. It's power. Verses 19 and 20. I'm going to come to you shortly. And I'm going to know, not the speech, not the talk. I want to know their power. I want to see lives changed. I want to see... Men who were one way, who have now changed because of your ministry, because of your love, because of your service. I want to see marriages that were broken that are mended back together. I want to see those who were slaves to addiction, that those chains have been broken apart. That's what he wants to see. He wants to see transformation. He wants to see guys setting, that are setting the example, not just talking the talk, but living it out, walking it, just as Christ walked it. This is, it's so easy to talk. You know, we could get so judgmental and get so critical, and they're being critical of Paul here, they're judging Paul and He's saying, "It's just talk. There's no power in it." And we we we're, we we tend to think that that's what's important is how we critique other people. And Paul's saying, "No. It's transformation of your life and others' lives. It's seeing growth. It's seeing reproduction in the life of somebody else that a disciple is following." is able to follow what you do and be like Christ by doing that. That's what's important. That's what's power. And then Paul threatens them. He says, hey, listen up. Do I have to come with a rod? As a father, do I have to come with authority and enforce this? Or do I need to come, or can I come to you with love and tenderness? You see, all of this is love. Both, both sides are love. If you see a child, your child running to the end of a dock on a lake, it's not loving to say, oh, let's talk about that. No. You, you pull him up short. You show some authority. And if he keeps doing it, you're saying, no, son, this is dangerous and you have a choice to make. You can either obey me and come to me and enjoy my, my gentleness and my tenderness. Or you can get the rod. It's one or the other. It's your choice, son. But if you keep heading down this dangerous path, there's consequences. And as your father as a, a, the leaders of the ministries here, have the authority to come alongside you and say, hey, I'm not seeing changes. And we expect changes. We expect a difference in your life, not just talk. Now, Paul sent Timothy and he was expecting a response from the, the church at Corinth. But the response he got was the response of pride. They puffed themselves up as if Paul wasn't coming. We haven't been sent to Timothy. There's, uh, there's difficulties in life that we face and one of the one of the painful circumstances of our our culture our society is that 23% of children in America went to bed last night without a father in the home one in four children without a dad in the home and that's it's not the way it's supposed to be. And if you were raised in a single parent home or if you're a single parent, you know that there's something broken there. It's not whole. It's not complete. And you try to do what you can and make it beautiful, but theres it's not, not the way it should be. In December of 1907, the Monongah coal mine in West Virginia exploded and killed 361 men. 250 of those men were fathers. And they left approximately 1,000 children without dads. Now this was pre-World War I. So this was extremely rare To have a home without a father in it. And so then in 1908, Grace Clayton asked her church to to hold a a memorial for her father and all the fathers that were lost in that coal mining disaster. And that was the first Father's Day was celebrated because they lost their dad's. Today's Father's Day. Paul as a father sent Timothy to Corinth. God as our father sent his son. Sent his son for us. How are we going to respond? Are we going to respond in pride? The way the church at Corinth did? Are we going to lift ourselves up against the love and grace that, that Christ offers us? Or are we going to respond in humility as a little child who follows his dad, as a sheep who follows his shepherd? Because this demands a response. This, this son that was sent to us demands a response. And the response can be pride. Or the response can be humility. A humility that results in repentance and belief. That we repent of our sin. And that we turn to Christ and we put our trust in Him. That we trust what He did on the cross, paid for our sin. And we trust that His resurrection shows that He has victory over our punishment. And those who do believe, how do we respond? How do we respond to the love and grace that the Son brought to us, the instruction that He gave to us? Are we going to respond in pride and say, hey, I can do it my way. I don't, you know, sure, they talk about that at church, but I've got my own life to live. And yeah, I believe in Jesus. I I trust in Him, but... I don't have to repent. I don't have to live it. I don't have to do it. I can just talk the talk. Or are we going to respond in humility to the Son? And say, yeah. I'm going to turn from that. I'm going to repent of that. And I'm going to trust in Him. And even if I am brought low, I'm going to trust in Him. I'm going to be satisfied in Him. I'm going to have that peace and contentment in Christ in spite of what's going on around me. And I'm going to repent of my worry and my fear and my frustration and my anger and my lust and my sin. And I'm going to put my trust day by day, living a life of repentance and faith because of the Son who was sent from the loving Father to us. That's the response. We are expected to, to live a life that, that has right behavior. We're expected to set, set this right example. But all that comes from having a life that demonstrates the right response to the Son that has been sent to us. That's how we have to live. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your Son. We sang Jesus, thank you today. I pray that our lives would be a song. It would be a song of praise, of pro- a song of thankfulness. Jesus, that you have come. That you died, that you paid for our sin. That you sacrificed your life for us. Lord, thank you. Help our lives to be different. Help us to repent. Help us to live. Help us to live a life of faith, of belief, of trust in you, not in our pride and arrogance in ourselves. Lord, we want your way. We want to love you with all our hearts and to love others sacrificially as, as Jesus, as you lived, loved us. Lord, thank you for fathers. Help us to be spiritual mothers and fathers to those around us, to live differently and to love differently. In Jesus name. Amen.